There's a poem called The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. It's one of my favorite poems. I just want to read the first part to you. It says, Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart and the center cannot hold. I can't think of a better metaphor, imagery, description of what's happening in our world today with the church, with events happening all around us. It seems like as these events come, right, it is like that falcon. If you've ever just watched a hawk do circles, uh, the imagery is this falcon doing circles and every circle gets wider and wider and wider. And every time it circles, it gets further and further and further from the falconer that's training it that's teaching it to stay on course. It's like, it's like it, it, it grow, it, we, we get caught up in these issues that, that come up in our world. And I'm not trying to make light of any of them. They're real issues. Racism is real. And it breaks my heart and it has been breaking my heart even more as we've been focusing on it the last couple of weeks, the stories I've heard and listening to black friends and uh, black ministers and just hearing their stories and hearing stories of those in my communities at protests and rallies and hearing them share what they've experienced. Ugh, just not okay at all. Not okay. But there are a thousand things that we could probably say are not okay, right? And I'm not diminishing the current one at all. I'm simply saying this, is that there is this turning that happens where we start to circle around these issues and we get so caught up in what our society uh, 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 throws at us and what everybody gets so caught up in that we get further and further away from the answer to the issue. And that's what I'm trying to say. Not dis diminishing the issue at all, but saying simply this. Christianity is not a country club. It's it's not a it, it it it's a really lame country club, honestly. I mean, I've said this before, but like, if Christianity is just this club that you join and with this place where you meet friends and hang out, it's a really expensive one for how much? Like ten percent of your income to come and hang out and hear subpar music and and a guy you know talk at you for forty minutes and and then you leave. Christianity is about the solution to our world's issues. Christianity is the solution. It's the remedy. Our world needed a savior and Christ came and he took our sin and our shame on himself so that our world could be healed and he rose from the dead so that we could rise from the dead. And death no longer is the ending place for the human story, but we are going to live forever with our God on this planet. That is the hope of our story. Where prejudice and hatred, there's a solution, there's a savior. There's a reconciling, not just with God, but with man that's possible in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate as Christians. That's, that's why we gather and sing the songs is because there is a remedy to the problems.
And I feel like this falcon in the poem. We turn and turn and turn and we get wider and wider and more caught up with society around us that we can't, we, we can't hear the falconer anymore. Things fall apart, it says, and the center cannot hold. And we don't know where we're flying to at that point. We no longer have anyone helping us. And I feel that that's where the church is right now, is we've turned and turned in this widening, widening loop where we no longer have, we can no longer hear God. We no longer have his word on our hearts. I love all of the movies and the podcasts and books everyone's passing around to really understand racism. But have you read your Bible? Have you put yourself in the words of the solution to the world's problems? And here's the thing. If you're looking, listening to me right now and going, Zach, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there, there are other things that need to be said and done. Then you don't have faith in the thing that you say you have faith in. If our faith is in Jesus Christ as the solution and the answer to the problem, then our faith is in Jesus Christ as the solution and the answer to the problem. I talk to people all the time who are like, well, you know, I, I, this is just stressing me out. I know, don't know what to do. And I'm like, we got to pray. We got to be, we got to give ourselves to prayer in this time. And, and they'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, we got to pray, but we also have to do stuff. You know, there's things that we have to do. And I go, no, no, no. Don't, don't dismiss prayer. Don't, don't, don't dismiss that. Like you really, uh, uh, actually spent two hours on your knees this morning crying out to God. Don't dismiss that as a solution until you've done it, until it's been your day in and day out routine. Don't just walk past prayer. Are you kidding me? It is our number one connection to the living God. Here's what prayer is, and I think people misunderstand. We don't pray and, if, and, and I'll say this, I, I think people feel like prayer is inaction, right? It's not. They misunderstand it. We, pray, we don't pray so God magically just fixes everything. We pray because we are God's solution to the issues going on. There is an answer to how can we solve injustice and God is the answer, and you are God's hands and feet. But if you are not leaning into what God is saying, if you are not like Jesus, doing only what the Father says, uh, what we see the Father doing, we will end up turning and turning around the falconer until we get so lost in trying to fix everything, we forget that he was the one who's supposed to do it. See, we pray to God because we are his solution. We pray so that we're empowered by his Holy Spirit to be the healers our world needs. God commands us to do justice, to love mercy, uh, but our justice and love mercy have to come with walking humbly with him. In fact, let's look at this. Uh, hang on. This is, this is Zach's ramblings, right? Gotta love it. Micah 6.8, look at this. You all know this verse. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. The context of Micah 
is Micah was a prophet coming to Israel, telling them, God is going to judge you guys. You guys are going to go into exile in Babylon and God is not pleased with you. Why? Because they were squandering money from the poor, stealing essentially from the poor and squandering it to themselves in Israel, specifically the northern portion of Israel. And Micah is telling them, God is going to raise up the Assyrians to come in here and hit the northern part of Israel. And then he's going to raise up Babylon to come hit Jerusalem. And he's going to take all of you guys into captivity in Babylon if you don't repent and turn from your wicked ways. Because his thesis is, what God has asked of you is to do justice. To actually help the poor, not take from the poor. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is what God has asked you and you have not done it. And and so God has asked us to do justice, right? We've got to do justice. We've got to love mercy. But those two things sit on this one foundation called walk humbly with your God. If we are not walking humbly with our God, and the word humble means to bow. It means to bow low. It's it's, uh, it's similar to the word barak in the Hebrew, which means to bow one's soul. To barak, to bow our soul before the living God and walk with him and listen to his instructions. This is why we pray. Like that falcon circling, right? We've we've got to stop going our own way and circle back so we can hear the falconer's voice and he can tell us where we're supposed to fly. Let's look at Micah 6.8. Why not, right? These are bamblings, ramblings, right? I like to think of this as like, you know, like a morning, uh, afternoon drive radio show. You're just sitting in your car looking out at the traffic. Maybe you're in an office, you're working, and you're just listening to some dude talk. That's how I look at it. I don't know. Maybe I should uh, be more, you know, point-oriented, but I, I just, I feel like I feel like I need to process. I feel like you need to process. I feel like sometimes it's better to just go this route. All right, Zach, get to the point. Got you. I think most people turned it off by now, but we'll see. Micah 6, 8, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I want to point out something about Micah 6, 8. He says, do justly. He says, do it. Do justice. Your outrage is cheap, and it costs you nothing. It accomplishes even less. Justice isn't something we demand. Justice is something that we do. It's something that, that, that we actually make a plan and execute the plan. You know, this is what I'm telling my staff, like every Tuesday at our staff meetings, like, Hey guys, let's not just wish to do something. You know, we plan it, make a plan and then let's execute the plan. Justice is not something that we demand. It's something that we do. And our, if we don't do it, then our demanding of it is cheap. If your life doesn't reflect doing justice, then your demands for justice are hypocritical. If you aren't actively serving the poor and helping and loving and listening, if you're just holding a sign and demanding everybody else do justice, but you're not willing to do justice yourself, then it's cheap because it costs you nothing to say a bunch of stuff. 
costs you nothing to post on social media. It costs you nothing to, to write an Instagram story, right? It costs you absolutely nothing to hit share on another video. Justice isn't something demand, we demand, it's something we do. What is your plan to do justice? True religion is taking care of the orphan, James says in chapter 4. Matthew 6 says, We're the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Uh, they, they, that we are the ones that they will see our good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. The way that they see the Father's love and mercy in our world is by us doing good deeds, us doing justice. What if our response wasn't uh, outrage and tears, although there's nothing wrong with that, but that where our response tends to end, what if we opened up our homes? What if we opened up our pocketbooks? What if we opened up our schedules and gave time to actually be a solution to the problems around us? To do justice. The next one is love mercy. He says, do justice. Love mercy. Mercy is scandalous, right? It's scandalous. We say we love mercy because we want mercy, but we don't want to give mercy. Mercy says, actually, you know what mercy is? I'll, I'll say it this way because I love this song so much. There's a song by Josh Garrels called Further Along, and I love this line in the song. That song is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, but, but he says this line in the song. He says, I wonder why the good man dies, the bad man lies, and Jesus cries because he loves them both. We're all castaways in need of rope. Love mercy means that the oppressor and the oppressed both need Jesus. Love mercy means that we fight for both, our enemy and the victim. We live in a world right now where Everything is about political tribalism. Everything about is picking who we think the victim is and fighting for that victim and then holding up a middle finger and saying, you know, basically what we have turned into FU, it is an actual curse. And cursing in the Bible wasn't about specific words that you say. Cursing in the Bible was about, was about putting a curse, wishing somebody excuse me, wishing somebody was dead. It's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, if you say to your brother Raka, meaning I wish you were dead, you fool, then it's the same as committing murder. That's what we're doing with our words today when we say F the police or F these guys or F those guys or those garbage people that support white supremacy. The white supremacist needs Jesus just as much as George Floyd and, and those that were oppressed. Whoo! Now, that might get me in a lot of trouble because there's a lot of asterisks there. White supremacy is disgusting. It's disgusting, right? So disgusting. But that's how scandalous mercy is. Mercy is, it looks at disgusting and says, I still want to fight for you to be free. It looks at the murderer. It looks at the rapist. It looks at those ones. It, 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 it looks at everybody. If you are a human, God wants to give you mercy. Regardless of what you've done. It's reckless pardon. Mercy isn't earned. 
It's undeserved. It's forgiving and loving the least deserving. When we do justice, when we outrage, are we walking in mercy? Are we loving mercy? If you go, Zach, this is, that's too intense, man. Like, you can't say crap like that. You can't say, you know, uh, God maybe helped the white supremacists. Those are, those people are absolutely wrong. They are absolutely wrong. Jesus loves them. See, the gospel is scandalous, man. Like, it, it will change your whole life, but it's scandalous. It, 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 is, it is hope for absolutely everyone, no matter what you've done or who you are. It is scandalous. Do we love mercy? Just pause. Don't even get mad at me right now. Are you merciful? See, love isn't sentiment. It's action, right? We want to we want to start a movement in our region not of outrage. We want to start a movement of love that rallies uh, other believers to come out and show mercy to those who are undeserving of it because that will change transform hearts. They see us doing justice, good deeds, and they see us showing mercy to even the unlovable. They will go, "What is this message all about?" because clearly we've never seen anything like it. To do justice and to love mercy is beautiful and scandalous. See, but I think like that hawk at the beginning in the poem, we circle, right? And we circle wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. And we get lost in the opinions of our world. We get lost in who's in and who's out. You know, uh, for a long time, We've been mad at the church the last couple decades because uh, the church used to do this thing of who's in and who's out. And conservative Christians, especially, you know, uh, based on certain things, they would determine if you're in or out. But, you know, liberals, if they're honest, are doing the same things where they choose who's in or who's out based on what side of history. I'm using my fingers as quotation marks. You know, are you on the right side of history? I want to look at every single one of those folks and be like, are you on the right side of history? Because God is king. Uh, are you on his side? Because I, I, I'm very outspoken about this. I am not a Republican. I don't, I, I, I am not a, uh, I'm not a Democrat either. I am a Jesus <laughs> because I want to be on the right side of history. And are we on the right side of history? Are we uh, on the side of the king of the ages, who's going to come back one day with a city descending on this earth, who's going to purge the earth of its wickedness, who's going to take his rented power back. He's rented his leadership to the rulers of the earth, and he's going to take it back, and he's going to dash the nations to pieces like a potter's vessel. Are we on that side of history, or are we turning like, we, we think we're on the right side of history, but in fact, we're like the falcon that's turning wider and wider and wider and where we can't hear God's voice anymore. The gospel has to be center. The good news that there's a savior for a broken world and that we are called to be his healers to a broken world. Do justly, love mercy. And then he says this, walk humbly with your God. We got to pray. And we don't need to pray just so that way we can, uh, when, when I say pray, you see, here the, here's the thing. I think it's just that we don't know what prayer is. 
I think that's why we always roll our eyes when someone says we got to pray because they just think that we mean wait, do nothing and maybe say some, uh, you know, daily bread devotionals to God. That is not what I'm talking about. Prayer is not talking at God or asking God for requests. Prayer is talking with God. It's an invitation to relationship with him where you hear what's on his heart. You read it in scripture and you say it back to him and you say and you listen to what God wants to say to you. And you'll hear his voice when you pray. You'll get empowered with his power when you pray to go out and evangelize to those who are in need, to go out and do justice. And But now you're doing justice in ways that the king and the creator of heaven has ordained. You're not just out there trying to do the best you can with the best you know how. Because let's face it, we don't really know what we're doing. But he does. And he's got a solution. We are that solution. And if we walked in his ways and we walked humbly with our God as and we did justice and mercy as he directs us to, now that sounds like a plan, right? Now that doesn't sound like we're turning and turning in this widening gyre. It sounds now like we're listening to the falconer and we're going where the falconer tells us to go. That seems to me to be more strategic and more helpful and more of a solution than trying to rack our brains to figure out how to police ourselves without police. Right? Because there's going to be a thousand solutions and maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but it doesn't change racism. It doesn't change hatred in the human heart. It doesn't change brokenness in our world, but a savior does. His name's Jesus and, and he absolutely can transform hearts. Can people change? No, not on their own. But can people change by the power of the gospel? Yes, absolutely. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart and the center cannot hold. Man, my prayer for us, my prayer for myself, for my church, my prayer is that we don't turn and turn and turn listening to all the things that everybody's saying around us. My desire is that we would listen to the falconer's voice, fly back onto his shoulder and say, where do you want us to go, man? And let him direct us and remember where the center is. Remember the gospel. Remember who we are as Christians. Remember that we hold the solution, the key. We hold the key, the remedy. Christians need to not be known so much for telling everybody what's wrong with them and their world. Christians need to be known for telling everyone what's right with God because he's the answer and he's the solution. Well, I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings for the last 23 minutes and 39 seconds. It's been fun. And I guess I'll tune in next week, maybe. Maybe I'll keep flipping this microphone on. You know what? Go ahead and share this with some friends. Tag me in it. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your uh, responses if this is helpful at all. It's probably is only like a couple people's style, right? Like I don't think everybody likes this style of podcast, but... You know, like, uh, share, subscribe. That's what you're supposed to say, right? Likes, share, subscribe. Anyway, go ahead and do all that stuff. And uh, 
Father, help us. Let's just, I'm going to close in prayer because why not? God, I, I pray that you would help us. We need you. Our world needs you. Empower us, Father, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. Amen. Amen.